Book of John, chapter number 19, verses number 25. The Bible declares, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse number 26 declares, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. 27 declares, and to the disciples, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. 29 says, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it, somebody shout, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thank you again for the message, God, that you've been planted into my soul on today. Help me to hide myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Greg, give honor, glory to me. But today, all honor, all glory goes to you. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. For the past couple of weeks, as many of you guys know, we've been dealing with this thought, surviving loss. And today, my goal is just to just add some concluding thoughts to this particular series, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 27, where Simeon, this man of God, gives Mary a prophetic word after the birth of Jesus. He says, the Bible declares in verse number 27 of chapter number 2, Luke, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. 34 says, then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Now watch verse number 35. Simeon prophesies to Mary and he says to her, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's interesting. He says that a soul, Mary, watch this. Jesus is maybe eight days old because that, that's around the time when they would take him into the temple to do the, the, those rites, those rituals. And he speaks a word concerning a day later, uh, excuse me, years later, something that would happen to Mary. He says that, this, that what's going to happen to Jesus will pierce your very soul. Now, what he's speaking to is the pain that all of us will experience at some point in our life because understand if you have great love great love uh, the greater the love the greater the loss the greater the loss the greater the pain that's right if anybody in here have experienced loss of any kind and your heart really really ached the reason your heart was aching because of the great love that you had for the individual that passed away so the greater the love the greater the loss the greater the loss the greater the grief the greater the pain that's on the inside of your heart and this is what Simeon is speaking to he says this love that you have for your son one day is going to cause you great pain to the point that it's going to feel like a a sword has pierced your very heart. So this is what I want to do today. 
Um, man, for the past couple of weeks, I've been I've been ministering to those who have been going through grief of any time, uh, of any type. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. If you've been grieving for any reason, maybe the loss of someone close to you, it could be simply the loss of an opportunity of whatever kind you've been grieving. But today, I want to just kind of flip the script just a little bit, and I don't want to just talk to those who have experienced loss, but I want to minister to the individuals like myself and like many of you guys who are called to care for those individuals who have experienced great loss. Can somebody say amen right there? Now watch this. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses number 3, Paul writes and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, this is powerful. Who comforts us in all our troubles, watch this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Let me press pause there for a second because many of you guys don't realize that God is using your past pain, come on, to comfort somebody that's going through current pain right now. Understand, nothing that you go through, oh my God, is ever wasted. Oh my God, I got Sister Artina in here. Sister Artina, she, she, whenever she juices her, her products, whenever she juices her vegetables or her fruit, don't you just, isn't it some things that you just kind of throw away? I know it ain't much, but because she'll get the let me move on. She, it's certain things that she throws away, but I'm telling you today, I don't care what you go through, God does not waste any ounce of pain that you have gone through in your past. The Bible declares that he's able to work all things together for your good, for those who love him, and for those who are called according to his purpose. So what that means, my friend, even the pain and suffering that you've gone through, God says, not only will I heal you from it, not only will I deliver you from it, there's coming a day I'm going to use that same pain, watch this, to minister and to help somebody else through what they're going through can you say amen right there so Paul says who comforts us in all our troubles that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God so I got four B's that I want to highlight today if you're taking notes please take good notes and um, th this is this is where I want to hang my hat on this idea that if I have somebody close to me who I love and they're experiencing great grief because of loss if I have somebody close to me, it could be a relative, it could be a friend. It doesn't even have to be, if you like me, shoot, I just hate to see people hurting, period. Matter of fact, I was at a funeral on yesterday, and, and as, as I looked in some of the eyes of the family members, my heart began to ache because I could see the pain on the inside of them. So what I'm going to give you, it's biblically grounded, but it's also from my personal experience of what I received that helped me through, number one. Uh, number two, I believe that it's what people need when they're going through great grief. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The, ver the first B that I want you to write down is be prayerful. Somebody shout be prayerful. Sometimes we undermine the power of prayer. We hear bad news. Somebody died. Somebody had a diagnosis. Somebody had some type of tragedy to happen in their family. And it's easy for us to think about it it's easy for us to have sympathy for them, but in all actuality, if I'm going through something, I don't need sympathy, my friend. I need you praying for me. Can you say amen right there? Watch this. In the book of James, chapter number 5, verses number 16, James writing, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, watch this, the Bible declares that it is both powerful and it is effective. When you bow your knee, my friend, to intercede on the behalf of somebody else, you ain't got to go up to it and tell them that you're praying for them. But I'm telling you, something happens in the spiritual realm when you begin to intercede. And many of you guys know my testimony when I lost my sister in 2017. I could feel the prayers of the saints interceding on my behalf. Have, prayer is powerful. Somebody shout, prayer is powerful. In the book of Acts, chapter number 12, verses number 5, Paul is in a, Peter is in a bad space. He's in prison. James has already been killed in prison, and now they have arrested Peter. And, and the Bible declares in verse number 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And you know the rest of the story, man, because the church interceded and prayed for this man of God, God sent an, a, a divine visitation. An angel came to get him out of jail so that he wouldn't lose his life this way. Prayer is powerful. And whenever you have somebody that's hurting in your life, suffering because of great loss, because of great grief, the first thing that they need, if you never see them, the first thing that they need, my friend, they need you to pray for them. So let me help, me, let me help you today. So pastor, what should I be praying for? I'll tell you what, I'll, what I pray for. On yesterday, I prayed, I prayed these three things. On yesterday, um, I'm sitting and, uh, in the congregation, and um, it was during the time where people come up and they kind of express their thoughts uh, concerning the, 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 the dead loved one. And um, as, as they're coming, and I'm seeing the grief, I'm seeing the pain, and the, the expressions of sorrow, I begin to pray these, these three things. Uh, the first thing, if you're taking notes again, jot this down. I prayed for healing. Somebody shout healing. Man, grief hurts like Hades. <laughs> Can I get a witness in this place? Grief hurts, man. It won't always hurt as bad as it does today. But watch this. I believe that if you begin to intercede, that God will expedite the mourning process to get them to a better place. So the first thing that I pray for, I pray for healing. The second thing that I often pray for is unity, because especially when, when a patriarch or a matriarch dies in the family, because usually the patriarch or the matriarch, they're the one who, they're kind of like the glue that keeps everybody else together. And if their life expires, then the enemy oftentimes comes in, plants seeds of, of, of discord and division, and the family falls out, can't, get to get, can't put big mama in the grave good, come on somebody, because they can't get together. So I pray for unity. I pray for one accord amongst the family members. I pray that God would even use this opportunity, this, this situation to draw them closer together. I pray, for, I pray for healing. I pray for unity. And finally, I pray for closure. Let me tell you, this is the thing in my opinion and in my experience, this is the thing that makes grief so intense in the past for me because there were conversations that I didn't get to finish with the person that passed. I want you to think about that just for a second. Okay, so, so in anybody, anybody in, in my life, like right now, like uh, I, my wife or, or my kids or for, for the staff members that are here, we've had ongoing conversations. Every day we talk or every week we text, we have ongoing conversations. Some of them are, are about business. Other things are just about personal feelings, how I feel about you, or encouraging things that I would like to say to you. 
And when that individual's life expires, it's like a breach in communication. So, so watch this. When you relieve, watch this, these words off of your heart to the other individual, it, it breathes about relief on the inside. Well, they're no longer there, so the sense of relief, it seems as though they can never come to fruition because I can't communicate to that person anymore. I pray for, for closure. And in my life personally, this is kind of how closure happened for me. It was a couple of things, and, and this is going to tie into a um, couple of thoughts on last week as well. Um, when, when Jan passed, um, and I've shared this for the past couple of weeks, we were in the middle of, of, of heated fellowship. We had very, very different opinions about certain things that were going on in our family. And we weren't necessarily nasty towards each other, but we weren't the nicest towards each other. Before, she, before her life expired, we didn't have an opportunity to come together, and, and usually that was always the case. I mean, if we, if we fell out, if we had some, some words towards one another, I'd give her an opportunity to cool off. She'd give me an opportunity to cool off. I'd call her, or she might call me, apologize, or try to further explain her point, so forth, so on. We never had that opportunity, so my heart was aching, not just because I lost my sister, but my heart was aching because there was a rift there that we never came to a conclusion on. So this is what this is what I did. And I want to share this with you guys. I actually have never ministered this publicly. Um, these are some things that I have done in private uh, concerning myself, as well as in many counseling sessions. Um, and I've seen it be uh, 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 an extreme blessing uh, to many people that who are, that have suffered in the way that I had a rift or some type of division in the person's life expired. Now watch this. As a believer, as a believer, I believe that the only transportation from the natural realm to the spiritual realm is by way of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray and we tap into the spiritual realm, watch this, we do that. We navigate by the Holy Spirit. Any other type of access into the spiritual realm is, watch this, outside of the Holy Spirit is illegal, number one, it's demonic, number two. So for you to try to call up the dead, we, we saw that in, 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 uh, in, in, in the story of Samuel when he tried to, Saul when he tried to call up the prophet Samuel. The Bible declares that he called up a familiar spirit. What is a familiar spirit? The familiar spirit wasn't the person, Samuel, the prophet, but it was a demon that was familiar with the life of Samuel. So when the demon came up, he was able to speak as if he was Samuel because he was familiar with the dead person. Does that make sense? So we can't go back and communicate to the dead. I can't say anything else to my sister, but this is what I did. The Bible declares to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. If my life expires right now, watch this. I don't cease to exist. I just no longer exist in this form. I immediately, when, my eye, when I close my eyes for the last time, immediately I go into the bosom of the Lord and I am there present with him. And this is what I said. I said, God, I got some things that I need to say to my sister. I need to apologize to my sister. I know I can't talk to her, but you can. And I said, Father, if you would give this message to my sister for me. And I prayed a prayer to God and I told God, this is what's on my heart. I need to apologize for the things that I did. Now watch this. Whether he gave her the message or not, that's on him because God knows what's best. Can somebody say amen to that? But I tell you what it did do. It did alleviate the pain that was in my heart because of the closure that I never experienced. 
Watch this, by the same token, as I said before, I've used this in many counseling sessions where, where women have aborted babies, and here it is, 5, 10, 15 years later, they, they are still suffering in their souls because of the child that they didn't allow to live. And I've walked through them through the sessions of is writing out a note to the child and praying that note to God to deliver that note to the child. God can do whatever he wants. All I do know was when I finished that prayer and I gave that to God, immediately that was a lift in my soul. That was the first portion of the closure. The second portion of the closure was that I needed to forgive Jan. Not only did I need to confess my sins and ask for an apology, I myself needed to forgive her. Now, forgiving someone doesn't require them being present. Are y'all listening to me online? Forgiving someone, it doesn't require you being present. It's something that's in your heart, some bitterness that's in your heart, some component in your heart that you need to release. And I had to release that thing out of my spirit. So is it possible? Yeah, yeah. Because some of you guys might be suffering right now. Still harboring stuff in your heart concerning somebody that's dead. They don't have to be alive in order for you to forgive them. Because forgiveness happens on the inside of you. Can somebody say amen to that? So the first thing that I do, I pray for, I pray for them. I pray for healing in the hearts because they're in pain. And I pray for unity amongst the family. And I pray for God to bring about closure in some form or some fashion. Uh, another, another way that closure happened for me in my relationship with Jan is the fact that I kept dreaming about her. I'm talking about I was having dreams back to back to back to back. And in every dream, some form, some, in some way, we were spending time together. And at the end of the day, she'd look at me and she'd say, Greg, I got to go home. And I'd wake up with tears in my eyes because it's like I, I didn't want to accept it as a reality, but through the dreams God was giving me, it wasn't her in the dream, but it was God using the dream to help me bring, to help bring about closure in my heart. Does that make sense, everybody? I hope I'm not losing you guys. So the first thing that I encourage you to do, the first thing that I do is I simply pray for the individual. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do, if you have somebody in your life that, has, that has, has experienced a great loss, and it doesn't just have to be death, it can be a loss of any type, any kind. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do, somebody shout, be present. Simply just show up, man. Just show up. The worst thing in the world you can do when somebody is hurting is try to stay away from them and, and we'll disguise it. We'll say, well, I'm just giving them their space. No, they don't need. Matter of fact, if they need space, they will tell you. But usually individuals need you to just be present and watch this. If you take a note, jot this down because this is critical. Resist the social expectation to think of something clever to say. You ain't got to say a word. Just show up. Matter of fact. Usually when people get to talking, they put their foot in their mouths. Can I get a witness up in this place? Huh? Usually when people, <laughs> too funny. So, so watch this. I, I can't remember. I can't remember what everybody said to me when my sister passed. I can't remember what everybody said. But I do remember the dumb stuff people said. Can I get a witness up in this place? Chad, I don't remember what everybody said. I, I, my uncles and my cousins and I had friends, family members, they all gave me encouraging words, so forth and so on, and to, to strengthen me. And, 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 but, but there were a couple of dumb statements. I can't remember what the good stuff was. I just remember the dumb stuff. The dumb stuff like, the dumb stuff like, 
Oh, you're going to say that, Pastor? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Pastor McGee, God was planting a new garden in heaven. And he picked your sister because he needed a rose in his new garden. First of all, I'm thinking to myself, God is a creator, and if he wanted a garden, he can create his own garden. Matter of fact, he created the first garden out of nothing. Come on, somebody. He don't need my sister for his new garden. Can I get a witness up in this place? I'm challenging you to resist the social expectation because I'm telling you the pressure rests on your shoulders. Well, I got I to gotta say something. You ain't got to say nothing. Let me show you in the text. In the book of Job, chapter number two, verse number 13, this was the, I'm getting ready to show you the best thing that Job's friends did for him. In Job, chapter number two, verse number 13, the Bible declares, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. Watch this. No one said a word to him. Because they saw how great his suffering was. That was the best thing that his three friends did. They sat quietly and said a word. They didn't get in trouble until they opened up their mouth trying to give meaning and revelation. And I especially want to talk to the super spiritual, borderline, super spooky that want to give revelation and meaning towards every death. Don't do it. Please hold it. Please hold it. We got to be careful. Because sometimes you add to people suffering instead of comforting them. Can somebody say amen to that? I want to encourage you to be prayerful, number one. Be present, number two. Number three, here it is. If God has called you along some, alongside someone to help to comfort them, I want to encourage you, number three, to be patient. Be patient. Be patient, okay? Patience speaks to a couple of things. Uh, for me, first of all, it speaks to gr different grieving styles. Uh, because people grieve differently. Um, some of us will be a little bit more patient if they grieve the same way that we grieve. So if you like a real, real crier, like a crier, you know, and you're, you're paired with somebody who's like a thinker, like they really don't talk. When, when they hurt the most, they're going to say nothing. That can frustrate you because you want them to cry and you want them to talk, but that's not the way that they process their grief. By the same token, if you're not really an emotional person, but you're called alongside someone who is very emotional, then that could really drive you. But I'm encouraging you to be patient with them based on their grieving style. Secondly, being patient speaks to the length of mourning. Just because you healed faster, and I'll give you an example. Um, when, when our son Robert passed years ago, I healed a lot faster than my wife, a lot faster. And I'm admitting I wasn't as patient as I needed to be because I felt that she should have been good because I was good. Well, no, she's differently. She's different. God deals with her differently. Be, somebody just shout, be patient. That's right. Be prayerful. Be present. Be patient. Here's the final, uh, final uh, B. Be proactive. Be proactive. So when people are going through grief, when they're going through tragic situations, um, oftentimes it goes without saying what they need. I'll give you a prime example. Um, my wife and I, we have a friend that just got diagnosed with a particular type of sickness and um, very close to, very dear to our hearts. And um, this individual, they had to take off work for like three weeks. Well, I mean, do, do, does it take a genius to think that, hey, they might need some money. <laughs> they, they might need some money. 
and and this is this is one of the things that I'm so proud of for this church right here. I, I was I was somewhere. I was somewhere. And um uh uh this lady, she was she was trying to think of the name of our church. And um I was just kind of like in the background. I they didn't even know I was there. They were just talking about our church. So y'all know I was all ears. So um the lady said, uh, the name of that, uh, the name of that church, uh, Emp- Empowerment Temple. Emp- no, Empowerment Ministries. And um, a lady next to her said, yeah, yeah, that's that church be helping people. They be helping people. And she started telling them about a funeral that we helped her family with that she was receiving very little support from the community, very little support from her inner circle of family members and friends, and we just stepped in and and almost put the bill of what it would have cost them for the funeral. So EMCC, we got a reputation of being that church that helped people. (laughs) I'm very proud because that speaks to the fact that we are proactive. When we see hurting people, we don't just sit back and just wonder what, what you know. So some of you guys sit back and you and you like, well, if they need help, they'll come to me. Once they come to me, then I, no, 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 no. This should be your attitude when you see hurting people. Assess what they need and then assess your resources. It's real simple. I can't be your everything, but I can be your something. Can somebody say amen to that? I see what you need. I'm assessing what you need. I'm assessing what I can give, and I'm going to give what I can to meet the need. You should be prayerful. You should be present. You should be proactive. You should be patient. Jesus was very proactive in John chapter number 19, verse number 25. The Bible declares near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Watch this. Jesus is on the cross, crown of thorns on his head. Spike in each hand, spike in his feet, pierced in the side. 26 says when Jesus saw his mother there. And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, watch this. Here was your son. In essence, I'm not going to be there any longer in natural form. All that I did to take care of you, I'm not going to be able to do that again. It's 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 amazing. Um, Mother Evelyn, she was she was proactive. She was proactive even in her her death. The last time that I talked with her. She didn't tell me the whole truth. I love your mother. I'm going to send a message through Jesus to you. <laughs> she wasn't honest with me. She didn't tell me all that was really going on. She just told me what she, I should have I put it together, chat. She just told me, Pastor, I need you to do something for my family. And she gave me instructions of what she needed me to do for her family. And I fulfilled my responsibility. I fulfilled my promise to her. Jesus is doing the same thing. He's being proactive and he's saying, mom, not going to be there. I'm leaving. I'm not coming down off of this cross to live another physical life, but I'm going to ascend to glory to sit at the right hand of the father. 
You, mom, come on, mom, mom, you knew this. Simeon prophesied this when I was eight days old, that a sword would pierce your heart. It wasn't just the inevitability of loss, but for you, mom, it was this painful situation that you see your son on the cross, naked, shameful, being crucified for the sins of the world. So this is what I need, mom, from here on out. John, I need you to see him as your son. And he says to John, the disciple, here is your mother. He was proactive from that time on. The disciple took her into his home. Now, I'm, I'm coming to a close, but, but I need you to see this. I need you to see this because he speaks to John, the disciple. John, this is your mama. In essence, John, I want you to take care of her. And the Bible declares John took Mary into his home like, like that was his mom. Yeah, if anyone has ever taken care of a sick parent, sick grandparent, you know what that's like. You take them and watch this. Oh, my God. You, in essence, get to pay them back for the way that they took care of you. They, they fed you. They, they cleaned you. They, they cooked for you. They provided for you. Come on, somebody. John, this is your mother. But I believe that he not only addressed John because what he wanted him to do, he also addressed Mary because sometimes what is hard for do hard for you to do. No, no, watch this. Um, I've been talking to those who are called to care because I'm one of the ones I'm called to care for hurting people. But then there are times when I'm not called to care for hurting people. There are times when I myself am the hurting individual. And Jesus is saying to me, Greg, that's your brother. Brother, that's your pastor. In essence, he's saying, receive care. Receive care, mom. Receive. Let John take you into his home. And there's some of you guys that are grieving. And watch this. People aren't just volunteering their services. In essence, God has pricked their hearts to come alongside you to be a support. And you don't even realize that you're rejecting God because you're rejecting your support that he himself sent. I need you to understand because what God is doing, it's for you, but it's not just about you. The support that he's sending, it is for you, but it's not about you. What, what, what do you mean, Pastor McGee? Because there is a blessing that's tied to what the individual is doing. Understand the Bible declares give and it shall be what y'all Given, we, we just supply that to tithes and offering, and it's, a, it's applicable, but the reality is that is a life's principle. Whenever you sow into good ground, you give. It shall be given unto you. And God is saying to certain individuals, there's more that I want to pour into you, but before I pour, I'm requiring you to give up what you already have. So I see an opportunity to be a blessing to someone that is hurting, someone that is suffering, someone that has a sword pierced through their soul. And God pricks that brother's heart and he says, bless that widow, bless that widower, bless that hurting man, bless that hurting woman. And here I am with my resources. Here I am being proactive. Here I am with my prayers and I am trying to bless you, but you won't let me bless you. Sometimes it's because of your own pride. Sometimes people have this misconception in their own heads that people, if they're doing something nice, they have a twisted motive. 
If they do have a twisted motive, let God handle that. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, receive the blessing. If they're going to offer to pay your bills, let them pay your bills. Come on, somebody. If you go, watch this. We, we, we sent something to uh, uh, two people the other day uh, that's going through just, just a horrific time right now. And you know what they did? They, they did what I wanted them to do. They sent a text back, cash app with a heart, and then they text thank you. Please don't make it hard for people to bless you. Can you say amen to that? Mary, this is your son, John. He's going to take you in. He's going to bless you. So if they're going to serve you, let them serve you. If they're going to bless you, let them bless you. If they cook for you, okay, you ain't got to eat it. You're trying to cut carbs. I understand. Take the food and say thank you. Bring it to Jeff. If they're going to be present, Mary, let him hang around. Don't drive people away. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've seen people, I've seen people want, I've seen people hurting and they want people around. But when they come around, they so mean to them as if they challenging them to see if you're going to stay in the midst of my, me the devil is a liar. If they're going to come, let them, let them come. And watch this. When they come, they're going to have to be patient with you. And you're going to need to be patient with them. You know, the sister that, that, that said that little thing about, you know, God picking flower. <laughs> I just smiled and I went on. If I wanted to, I could have I cut her up theologically, physiologically, whatever. I, I could have really just torn into her if I wanted to, but I chose not to. She wanted to say something comforting. She didn't know what to say. So just like people were being patient with me and my wife, for sure, she was being patient with me because I was moody and angry. <laughs> moody and angry. There are times when you as a griever, you have to be patient with other people. And if people are say they're praying for you, don't doubt their prayers. Don't doubt their prayers. If they say they're praying, receive their prayers. And that is what I want to do for the grievers today. Just want to pray for you, man. Um, about three months ago, what are we in? October? It was June, July, August, September, October. It's more than three months now. Uh, God started dealing with me concerning grief and concerning loss. Uh, first of all, he highlighted grief in my own soul um, because I was grieving. I was grieving. I was grieving and didn't know I was grieving. Because understand, grief is attached to loss of any kind. It's not just death. And I didn't experience it. I didn't think it was grief because nobody had died. But look at the loss that I had a, as a pastor had experienced. The loss of my normal routine. The loss of certain visions that I was planning to have fulfilled this year. There are certain things that I, I wanted to accomplish that have become increasingly difficult over the past few months with this pandemic. So I was, I was grieving. I was angry. I was upset. And I just thought, I'm, well, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. God spoke to me clearly, son, you're grieving because of loss. And so he began to deal with this on the inside of me. And watch this. As he was dealing with me, I started seeing some of y'all. 
start seeing some of y'all because this, watch this, this is what was hurting my heart as, as a pastor. Um, I kept hearing the testimonies and the reports of people going back to past things that God delivered them from. And it was breaking my heart and I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And, and I'm like, well, God, what's, what's going on? So we, you mean to tell me we need to come together? We, I, we, we, despite despite the, the, the pandemic, we just need to bring people together so they can be spiritually nourished. And God spoke to me and he says, because they're grieving. That's why they're going back to that. Because that sin anesthetizes the pain of the loss that they're experiencing. So just like you experience loss of opportunities, you speak. You experience loss of fulfillment of vision and it's hurting you that you can't do certain things that you want to do right now. They're experiencing the same thing and they're going back to stuff that comforts them, comfort sins. Like you got comfort food. I had some comfort food last night. I ate a slice of pizza, sweetheart, at like 12 o'clock. Should have been sleep. Papa John's was calling my name. Just like people have comfort food, there are times when people have comfort sins. You ain't in there because you addicted. Nah. <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting. I, I was talking to this, um, this guy. This was about, it was earlier this year. Earlier this year. He was having a fallout with his wife. Fallout out with his wife. And um, he didn't see the fallout connected to his addictive activity. So we, we were talking about the addictive activity. But I asked the question, when you do this, what are some things that are going on around you? And he kept talking about stuff that was going on in this house with his, with his wife, his grown kids, his, his daughter, his son. And he didn't see that whenever he has difficulty here, he experiences pain here. And he immediately runs to what anesthetizes the pain here. Doesn't fix the problem, but it makes him feel better here. So God says there are many people that are grieving. That's why we've had to take the, these past five weeks to deal with this. I pray that this has been a blessing to you.